Good morning, church. Those online, good morning. Welcome to Whitburn Pentecostal Church. Surely the Lord is here. And today I will say this is the day the Lord has made. And we will surely rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. Amen. A word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another wonderful day, a day that you have made so beautiful. And we worship you, Lord, because you are faithful and true. Your children have gathered together today to worship you. We know that the reason you've made us is to worship you. And we're doing just that. So today I ask your blessings upon your people. I pray for Peter as he will be leading the church today, bringing your word to your people. I pray for blessings upon the people from the word that he'll be rendering, from the songs that will be singing. We will glorify your name and you will bless your people. Thank you, Heavenly Father. I just want to pray for those who are unable to be here today, that you be with them and bless them. Those who are suffering from one form of disease or the other, I pray, Lord, that you will speak your peace upon such and give them relief in the name of Jesus. I pray for those who has one trouble or the other. You are our God, our Jehovah Jireh. There is no impossibility with you. So I ask, O oh Lord, that you speak peace into every situation that we may have, even this day, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today, uh, our pastor is on holiday. And so we have uh, Peter here today. Peter is a man of God. He's helped so many churches in the past. His skills are phenomenal. He's highly intelligent. Hence, <laughs> he has supported so many churches in terms of financial dealings and all that. He's been a chaplain for the ideal uh, prison service. He's a minister with the Assemblies of God Church, which you're one of them. So, Peter will be bringing the word today. And not just that, he's good. I told you he's a man of many talents. He will be bringing us worship as well. So, Peter... You're welcome. Peter is here with Caroline today, his uh, wife. So let's give them a warm welcome, please. Well, good morning, church. After that introduction, I hope I live up to a half of it at least. <laughs> well, let's all stand and sing. And let's worship God together. Amen. God is able. Sorry, wrong one. <laughs> great things. He's done great things. Amen. Come, let us worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great What our Savior has done See how His love overcomes He has done great things 
has done great things. Our hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive, you break every chain, oh God. You have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Our Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God, you have great You've been faithful, you've been faithful through every storm, you'll be faithful forevermore, you have done great. I know you will do it again For your promise is yes and amen You will do great things God, you do great things Our hero of heaven You conquered the grave You free every captive And break every chain, oh God you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Our Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God. You have done great things. Hallelujah, God, above it all. Of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive. You break every chain. Oh God, you have done great. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh. Hallelujah, God above it all. Hallelujah, God above it all. Hallelujah, God unshakable. Hallelujah, you have done great things. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You've done great things for us. Thank you, Lord. You saved us. Lord, you redeemed us. You washed us in your own blood. Lord, you made us holy and sanctified and righteous. 
You made us your children, heirs with Christ, co-heirs with Jesus. Lord, you've seated us in heavenly places. Thank you, Lord. You've given us your word. You've given us your spirit. Father, you've given us your very son. Thank you, Lord. You've done great things. You've filled us with your spirit. And Lord, you've given us your very presence. Thank you, Lord. We all house the presence of God. Oh, what a wonderful joy that is. You've done great things, Lord. Oh, we're so thankful this morning for the great things you've done and that you continue to do, Lord. Lord, your kingdom continues to work out in our lives every day. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Oh, we worship you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Let's just sing to him this morning. You've done great things. Oh, we worship you, Lord. Thank you, Father. You've done great things. You are God. You are Lord. We worship you, Lord. In your presence, in your presence, we worship you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we love you this morning. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, God, above it all. Hallelujah, God, unshakable. Hallelujah. this morning. You can raise a hallelujah. Amen. Raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a
oppression. You're greater than any lie. You are far above. Lord, you are greater than our circumstances this morning. You are higher. You are stronger. You are God. You're the first and the last. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Lord, our weapon is the melody this morning. Lord, you've given us a new song. Oh, you've given us a new song to sing. You've given us a new song. You are our song. We rejoice in you this morning. We worship you, Lord. Oh, we worship you. Oh, we love you, Lord. For you are our God. You are our Savior.
of the storm. You've given us your peace, given us your peace in the middle of the storm. Thank you, Lord. Nothing is too difficult for you. No Goliath is too big for you, Lord. No enemy too big. God before me, who can be against me? Thank you, Lord, for if God is for me, what can be against me? Thank you, Lord, we worship. Thank you, Lord, you are greater than our enemies. Thank you, Lord. What great assurance we have this morning, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the King is alive. I'm going to sing, come on church, in the middle of the storm, louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar, up from the ashes, hope will arise, death is defeated, the King is of our salvation, the one who's gone before. Amen. He is able. Amen. God is able. He will never fail. He is almighty God. Greater than all
with us. He will go before. He'll never fail us. He'll never leave us. God is for us. He has open arms. He'll never fail us. He'll never fail us. Lifted up. He defeated the grave. Raised to life. Our God is able in His name we overcome for the Lord our God is able for the Lord for the Bible says, make your request known to God. Maybe now's a good time just to let your request be made known to Him, just as we just stay in His presence for another moment or so. Just make your request. Maybe some of you have needs this morning. Some of you need an answer that's beyond yourself. You need, you need information that goes beyond this realm. You need some supernatural insight maybe just say Lord I need that right now I need a breakthrough I need some insight I need some information from you Lord I need I need a supernatural breakthrough in, in this or that just make your request to God this morning oh thank you Lord thank you Lord you hear our prayer you live amongst your Ever ready to give aid. This morning we make our request, Lord. Thank you that you are able. You know, we're a people that walk by faith, not by sight. Father, this morning, we just take what we know, the word you've given us. And Father, we're just going to take that next step forward. And we're going to walk by faith. Father, because you are worthy, you are able, you are greater than our enemies. Lord, we have your victory living inside us. We have your resurrection life that lives within. Oh, you're able, Lord, you're able. If God be for us, who can be against us? You're able. Let's just sing that chorus one more. Lift it up. He defeated the grave, raised to life, our God is able, in His name we overcome, 
just stand together or sit together in your presence, Lord, as your body, Lord, so grateful that you've come to us, called us your children, called us your own, given us an inheritance that is eternal. Oh, Father, we worship you, we thank you, we honor you. We're full of gratitude this morning. You are God. Amen. may be seated. You know, the church did a great job during lockdown with streaming and so on, but you can't beat the presence of God with your brothers and sisters, amen? (laughs) Just get myself ready here. So, Stevie Roy, the pastor, said that um, I'm allowed to preach for three hours this morning. (laughs) Just kidding. Is this my flicker, Sophie? By the way, sorry about that little jumping around of the words. You did brilliant. Thank you. Okay. Okay, I want to bring you something out of the book of Revelation this morning. And uh, Jesus has a a word for seven churches in uh, what was called Asia Minor, which is present-day Turkey. And uh, in Revelation 1, uh, John hears a voice, and he turns around, and it's Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm the Alpha and Omega, I'm the beginning and the end, and so on. But what he sees is Jesus amongst seven lampstands, and in his right hand, he's got seven stars. And uh, the Lord interprets that for us. The seven stars are the seven messages, messengers to the churches, which are like the leaders or the apostles or the pastors, whatever you like, the, the leaders to those churches. That's the stars. And Jesus is in the midst of the seven lampstands. And he's there to give a word of correction and encouragement to these seven churches. Now, just just to put that in some context, in the Old Covenant, there was the tabernacle in the wilderness and there was a high priest who would every day go into the tabernacle and he would trim the wick of the lamp. And the reason for that was so that the uh, the the lampstand could continue to give good light within the tabernacle. And it would stop the smoke, uh, stop the haze, and give a bright shining light. And he would also fill the lamp with oil. And uh, in, in, the, uh, in the scriptures, oil is a type of the Holy Spirit. And, in, and we interpret that in the new covenant, that every day we fill ourselves with the Holy Spirit. And even though we are already filled, there's a sense of like Paul says in Ephesians, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. There's an ongoing thing there. But here's Jesus in the book of Revelation, the great high priest coming to the seven churches and he's trimming some wicks. He's got some things to say. 
In fact, the whole of the book of Revelation is Jesus, the high priest. Um, it, it, Revelation is the interaction between heaven and earth. And uh, it's like God is pulling back the curtain on the spirit realm. But anyway, we could, we could go forever on that, couldn't we? But right now, I just want to go to the seventh church, which is the church in Laodicea. Um, and let's read that together, Sophie, if you could do a page down. So verse 14, we're going to read through the next eight verses of this, and we're going to pull something out. And to the angel, or that's messenger there, that's not necessarily something with wings sort of thing. That's a messenger of the church of the Laodiceans, right? These things say to the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. By the way, that's the new creation. So this is new covenant we're talking here. Verse 15, I know your works, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and dine with him, and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne." As I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now that seems pretty harsh in some ways, because it is, I guess. That's Jesus, the high priest in heaven, trimming some wicks here. He's trimming off some dead stuff. And Laodicea, the seventh church, is the only church Jesus didn't have a good thing to say. And I'll come to in a moment. But he does say, I counsel you. So he's giving direction and guidance. Now, why did God say things like, uh, you think you're rich? And so on. There's a reason for that. What Jesus was doing at the time, he was taking the physical characteristics of that, the local area where those churches were. And he was applying a spiritual principle. So in Laodicea, they were at the hub of three trade routes. They were very rich. Um, they were a place that uh, were rich in agriculture. So they had uh, lots of sheep farming. Um, they were a medical center where they exported eye ointments how we getting picking up a theme here? And they were a banking center. They were very rich. Oh, didn't we just read something about their rich and so on? They were very rich. In fact, they were so rich, the historians record that there was a big earthquake 
at the time. And the, the Roman Senate released funds to various places to help them rebuild. But the, the, uh, the leaders at Laodicea said, we don't need your money. We can look after ourselves. And it's interesting that Jesus says there in one place, um, he says, you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. They literally said that to the Roman Senate. We don't need your help. We're rich. In fact, Laodicea means the people rule. That's what Laodicea actually means, the people rule. So what God was doing, um, actually, before we go further, I just want to show you um, a couple of photos. I just, I'm not clever or anything. I just Googled this and got this off the internet. Thanks, Sophie. Are you doing that? Did you do that or did I? Thank you. Okay. Okay. So if you look here, this, what, this is actual excavations of, La- of the Laodicean church. You can Google this. There's lots of photos. And can you see how they've got really rich architecture? They've got amazing altars. They, they've got it all. This is a rich church. One more. Thanks, Sophie. And this is another photo. See, they've got these rich columns, elaborate doorways, and so on. So they were a very rich church. Just hold it there. Actually, go back one. Thanks. Just leave it there for a moment. So as you can see, this was a rich church full of wealthy people and obviously full of professionals. And yet, God says this, you think you're rich, but you're poor. Yet to to the church at Smyrna, they were poor, and God said, you're rich. Interesting. This church was wealthy, but they were poor in, in, in the eyes of the Lord. They were an area that exported fine garments because they had the wool, yet the Lord said, you're naked. They were a town that exported eye ointments, yet the Lord said, you're blind. This is harsh stuff. Now, we're going to see why the Lord's saying this, because he's actually helping them. Now, the Lord says, you're hot. What does it mean to be hot? I guess this is, now I'm starting to preach the message now. If you're like me, if you've been around church for a while, this is what the impression that I've picked up what hot is. I'm not saying somebody's preached this. It's just for some reason, this is the impression I've picked up. Hot means that you pray a lot. Hot means that you read your Bible all the time. Hot means that you're doing lots of good church works. Um, Hot means that you're not hanging around those lukewarm Christians. Um, Am I getting any nods? Is it just me? No? Yeah? Okay, good. I'm not on my own. Good to see. Okay, so that's the impression that I thought hot was. But as I began to look at this through a new covenant filter, I began to see that is not what the Lord was getting at. So to see what the Lord is getting at, we have to go to the book of Colossians. So if you're taking notes, I'll just read the references. Colossians chapter 4, verses 13 to 16. Colossians 4, 13 to 16. 
Paul says, see to it that this letter is also read, uh, sorry, see to it that the church, this letter to the Laodiceans is also, uh, that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. There is a strong connection between the church in Colossians and Laodicea. As far as Paul was concerned, they needed the same message. Now, in Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, Paul actually says, um, uh, he says, uh, I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea. See, there's that link again. For as many as have not seen my flesh, face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all the riches of full assurance and understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and understanding. See what Paul's doing here. He's, the message to Colossae was that don't listen to the world's philosophies. Don't get sucked in by the world's thinking. There's something greater. And because this is going to Laodicea as well, true riches are found in Christ. They're found in his wisdom, understanding who he is, understanding that your life is within. You are hidden with Christ in God. That's where the riches are. Okay. Now, um, there's one phrase that I want to pull out here. If we go to, uh, I'll just read it, Colossians 2 verses 16 to 19. Um, verse 19 says this, they have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. So, Paul is talking about people who are religious they, that have lost connection to the head. You know, back then there were, were Judaizers. They were saying, it's not just Jesus, it's Moses. Jesus on one hand, Moses on the other. You need both. And Paul's saying, get away from that stuff. It's not both. It's just Jesus. All you need is Christ. It's Christ plus nothing. And he's saying they, they've lost connection with the head. Now, why would you say that? Who's the head? Jesus. Who's the body of Christ? We are. You see? What Paul is saying, as a, as a, as a body of believers, don't lose connection with the head. Why the head? From your head comes all your instructions for your body. Okay, so I'm wiggling my hand, fingers right now, and I'm doing that because the head's telling my fingers to do that. My head is telling me what to say, so to speak. Okay, so the head instructs the body. And what had happened in Laodicea, they lost connection to the head. And they had gone through the motions. They looked like a good church. It looked good on the outside. But on the inside, they were poor, wretched, blind and naked. No presence. It had gone. In fact, Jesus says at the end, I'm standing at your door. Can I come in? 
fancy a church where Jesus isn't in there. Hard to comprehend. But it's good lessons for us. So being hot is being connected to the head. That's what being hot is. Being hot is not what you do for God. It's what God has done for you. Having a revelation of that, focusing on that, and living out of that. That's being connected to the head. See, we're living out of the Christ that is within us. See, we're feeding. He's the bread of life. We're feeding off Jesus every day. He's the manna that's been supplied from heaven. And we're just living from his resources. Being hot is not living from my resources. It's living from his resources. What a better way to live, amen? That's what being hot is. Interesting in Galatians 1.15, Paul says, um, you know, that God had set him apart. And he said, uh, I'll paraphrase, when I got saved, I did not consult flesh and blood. <laughs> he consulted the head. Okay, I've got to move on. Cold. So Jesus says, I wish you were hot or cold. Well, hang on. If hot was my enthusiasm and what I do for God, that means cold must mean that I pull back from God. Again, if we look at this through the new covenant filter, that is not what cold means. Jesus said, I wish you were either hot or cold. Okay, now, the best way I can explain what cold means is this. In Matthew 11, I think it's 29, Jesus says, Come unto me, all you who are labor, heavy laden, I'll give you rest, take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart. Now, meek means humble. Lowly is an interesting word because it's untranslatable in English. So, for example, you know where Paul says they have seared, seared their conscience with a hot iron? Seven English words, one Greek word. Seared their conscience with a hot iron. You can look up blueletterbible.com, it's all there. Seven English words, one, one Greek word. Lowly is a similar word, but it's reverse. It, it, there's a few Greek words here. What it means is, now I'm going to give the literal translation, and then I'll explain it. It means not far from the ground. Not far from the ground. What's that about? This is what that's about. It's like a river at low tide. It's like a river at low tide. Now, to explain this, do you remember Jesus was in the boat? The storm was raging. The disciples said, Master, don't you care we perish? What was Jesus doing? Sleeping. See, Jesus was at low tide. He was cold. He was resting. That's what cold means, resting. And of course, Jesus woke up, peace be still, calm the storm. Do you know Jesus lived at low tide most of his life? We read the scriptures and we read the book of Acts and we think these people, including Jesus, the apostles, these people were just every day just doing all these super duper, super, what is it, 
fragilistic expialidocious stuff. Wow, this is amazing. But do you know, as you read that, that happened over a number of years. You know, between Acts 11 and 12 is like a five-year gap. You know, the stuff you read about Jesus, that was three and a half years. And even then, from age 12, when he was preaching in the temple, there's nothing, he did nothing up until he was 30. 30 is the age of maturity in Scripture. So right up until the age of 30, what was Jesus doing? With the Father. He was with the Father. Now, to help, help me explain this, I want to give two quick examples, one of my own, and then I want to go to the Apostle Peter. Um, in my early 30s, just the other day, I had a beautiful wife, three little children who are now in their 30s. Um, I've given my age away there, haven't I? Yeah. Uh, and I, had, I was a financial controller in a large company, and I had it all. I had the good job, suit and tie. I had my own office. I had my own staff. I had good money. In fact, my career path was the CFO of this major company. I had my future mapped out. Everything was going great. I went to church. I tithed. I mowed the lawn. I cleaned the toilets. I led the worship. I led the youth. My wife led the Sunday school, cooked all the cakes. We did the lot. Do you know on the inside, I was empty. And one day I was... I, I took a communion one day, and it was as cold as ice. It was boring. It was all about me. It wasn't about the Lord, because I was so insecure, and I needed that affirmation. And as I'm leading this communion, my heart sank. I said, something is wrong with me. I got my Bible, big enough to choke a mule. I walked down. I threw the Bible on the seat next to my wife and I kept walking to the nearest park. Hot Aussie summer day. And I yelled out to the top of my voice. And I'm not going to yell this loud, believe me. But I went, God, what's my problem? God, why am I like I am? Why am I so empty? Why do I hate myself? Anyway, there's a lot more to it, but just for time's sake. Um, little did I know, but in a month's time, my company was about to transfer me two and a half hours away to set up a whole new division of the company. Everything that I had used to prop me up in my church and in my, my uh, job, God stripped it away. To cut a long story short, we found a church... 200 people, never been in a church that size in our life. But we went because it was a good Sunday school for our children. That was the main thing. We wanted a good Sunday school for our kids. So we rock up. We're here to help you with worship. Oh, no, we've got three worship teams. We don't need you. Oh, okay. Um, we're here to do you. We'll help you with the youth. No, no, we've got plenty. We've got a good youth team. Don't need you. Oh. Sunday school. No, we've got all these Sunday school teachers. Don't need you for that. Oh. Uh, what about, do you need help with the finances of the church? No, we've got an accountant. Oh. Everything that we offered to help, they didn't want us. 
And do you know, for the next 10 years, we sat in the back pew. And all I did was cry out to God for 10 years. I did no church work. I did nothing. I went to work, did my job, raised my kids, and spent time with Jesus. Do you know that changed my life? Those 10 years was just me and the Lord. And a lot of what I'm preaching today came out of that period. Now, I was cold. That's what cold means. It's when you're with Jesus and you're resting. That's simply it. It doesn't mean your lack of enthusiasm. It doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. It's where you get with God and you hang out with him. Now, the, example I w- the scriptural example I want to use is Peter. Now, because of time, I'll just tell it rather than read. You know, Jesus had three pals, <laughs> Peter, James, John. Herod chopped the head off James. And it pleased all the Jews, it pleased all the people, pleased the crowd. And Herod went, wow, look at this. They like me because I've done this. I know, I'll go for Peter next. So they arrest Peter and put him in jail. Now, what do you think Herod wants to do to Peter the next day? Cut his head off to get more affirmation from the people. So here's Peter in jail. He's one of his best mates, James, has just been beheaded. Here he is in jail with four squads of soldiers. So there's four soldiers to a squad, 16 soldiers around him, and more soldiers at, at the doors. He's in chains. It looks like he's finished. What's Peter doing? He's sleeping. How on earth could Peter sleep? Now, this is what I think. An angel came to Peter and said, get dressed, put on your sandals, follow me. Now, the old English word is gird. Have you read that in the old translations? Gird yourself. It means get dressed. Can you remember a time when Peter has heard those words, gird yourself or get dressed? Do you remember in John chapter 21 when Jesus is on the beach cooking breakfast and Peter's been fishing all night? Didn't catch a thing. By the way, he's a little side bit of information, I find it interesting that for what Peter was working for all night, Jesus had already prepared on the shore. What Peter was working for in the boat, Jesus had prepared on the shore. Boy, that that sums up my life. Working hard for something, Jesus has already prepared. Uh, That's why I had to be cold for 10 years, friends. It had to happen. Jesus had to trim off the dead wick in my life, the dead wicks, all those things that weren't giving off light, all those things that were hazy in my life, the high priest came in my life, cut them off, made my light shine, filled me with his spirit. Wow. So, 
Jesus is on the beach. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know. Well, feed my lambs. Then Jesus says this. You can read it in John 21. At the moment, you've been going where you want to go. But a time is coming where someone else will gird you and take you where you don't want to go in your old age. So here's, here's what I think. The reason Peter could sleep under such intense pressure was because he had been with Jesus and he took the words of Jesus to heart that he was going to live to be an old man. Because Jesus said, when you're an old man, somebody will take you where you don't want to go. And here's the angel in prison saying, gird yourself. <laughs> there's, the, there's the hint, you see. Now, in Acts chapter 14, 13, I'll just read this. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, they marveled and they realized they had been with Jesus. See that? These people that wanted Peter gone. This uneducated, by the way, the Greek there means uneducated idiot. That's the literal translation. These uneducated idiots. What's he doing raising up that man? You know, in the name of Jesus Christ, silver and gold have I none. Take my hand, rise up and walk. You know the old preacher's joke? The man asked for arms and got legs. I've heard that for 50 years. You're not supposed to laugh at that. Anyway, anyway, these, this uneducated idiot had been with Jesus. That's why he could sleep under the most intense pressure. That's why he could be cold. He was resting in the words of Jesus. Now, none of us have the assurance we're going to live to whatever age. That's not the point. The point is this, that cold simply means resting in Christ. And how do you rest? You be with Jesus. You take his words, you be with him, you listen to him like Peter did. And you pull them into your heart. You pull them into you. And when the pressure comes, when the, the, the enemy comes and tries to put you in bondage, you can go, I have been with Jesus and I have these promises, and I'm going to live by those promises. I'm going to feed off the words of Christ, not my circumstance, not the prison, not the hell I'm in right now. This is a season. I am going to live out of Christ. That's new covenant living, friends. It's living out of Christ. So that's what being cold is. That's why Jesus said to Laodicea, I wish you were either hot or cold. So what does lukewarm mean? And we need to finish. Laodicea had become self-sufficient, self-confident, self-dependent, self-content, self-righteous, and then prideful. And this resulted in a lukewarmness. So what does that mean? In 2 Timothy 3.5, I'll just read it. 2 Timothy 3.5 tells us what lukewarmness is. 
having a form of godliness, but denying its power. That's what lukewarmness is. It's looking like you are going through the motions. It's looking like you've got it all together. I'm preaching about myself here, okay? This is, I'm not pointing the finger at any church or anyone. I've lived this. That was me. I had it all together on the outside. I had no power. I was miserable. I, I, I have no idea how on earth my wife still marries me, still married me. I was miserable, depressed, no power. And I was a psalm-singing, tongue-talking, tithe-paying Christian. And I had a form of godliness. I had no power. So how did the, the high priest had to trim the wick and get rid of all that junk thinking, that, all that rubbish, all the guilt, the shame? He had to show me Christ. And the reason I stand up here today is because I've been with Jesus and I've lived this. And I know that when you spend time with Jesus, your life is transformed from the inside out. That's what Paul says in Corinthians, that as you behold him, you are transformed from the inside out. The world says we're changed from the outside in by doing X, by doing Y, by identifying as this, by doing this, by spending your money here, by thinking like this, and that will change you. No, it's not, friends. It'll put you in bondage and bind you up. That was the message of Paul to Colossians and Laodicea. By the way, I've forgotten about that last slide. Thanks. You know how I said in Laodicea, God used the local characteristics? This is the pipelines in Laodicea. This is actually from Laodicea. They had two lots of uh, water spouts and it would come out lukewarm. That's why Jesus said, you're lukewarm. Anyway, more could be said. We've got to finish. So friends, if I could just please encourage you, be hot. Be connected to the head. Be cold. Spend time with Jesus. Be with him. Learn how to rest in the midst of it all. Go back to the... Yeah. Spend time with him. He'll change you from the inside out. And yes, sometimes when the great high priest in heaven will be trimming your wick, it's a little painful. I know, I've been there. Oh boy, but what a change it makes in your life. That's why these things that Jesus said to this church in Laodicea was hard. But if they took the Lord's advice and, counsel, and as, as, the, as it says, I counsel you, buy from me gold refined in the fire. As you be with Jesus, he'll change you from the inside out. You can be in prison, literally, and have the peace of God. So I'll just close with a couple of thoughts here. We're not just drifting through COVID, friends. We're a powerful church because we have his presence. Do you know in heaven, I've often thought about this, in heaven, we're not going to be arguing theology. <laughs> I'm not going to be pulling out a Bible and says, look what this says in the book of Zechariah. Um, 
Hezekiah chapter 2, verse 1. The reason I say that, I preached at a church once and I said, let's all turn to Hezekiah chapter 2, verse 1. And half the church reached for their Bible. There's no such book called Hezekiah. Anyway. We're not just drifting through COVID. We have his presence. As I said, in heaven, we're not going to be arguing theology. We're just going to be in his presence. We're yielding to the spirit. We're going to be connected to the head, this side of COVID. I know Stevie's heart, the pastor's heart. We're going to be connected to the head. We're going to get his instructions and we're just going to do what the Holy Spirit says. We're not going to be in the feel sorry for myself zone. You know, I'm prone to that. I've got to get out of that feel sorry for myself stuff. I have to get with Jesus. It's a time to draw near. It's a time to draw near to him. Do you you remember when Joseph's brothers went to Joseph? And Joseph said, you will dwell in Goshen. Do you know what the Hebrew word for Goshen means? Draw near. And in Goshen, even when there was darkness in Egypt, there was light in Goshen. All those that were in Goshen had all they needed. As we come out of COVID, the Lord wants his church to draw near, get to be with him for whatever's coming down the track. Amen. Be hot. Be connected to the head. Be cold. Be with him. Shall we close in prayer? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the power of your word. Father, we thank you that your Holy Spirit lives in us. Thank you for your presence, Lord, that you, Father, 2,000 years ago, the veil was ripped from top to bottom and you left the temple and you now come to dwell in people. You come to dwell in your people, your children. So, Father, we thank you for your presence. And, Lord, I just pray for each one that this word would rest and be a seed in each heart, that it would grow into a harvest, that your people, Lord, would, that bondages would break, Lord, that chains would break off and people would come in to the glorious liberty of the sons of God, the children of God. Lord, that we would be the people that are powerful as you intended to be, that we can touch our world, our families, our towns. Lord, bless each one, I pray. Thank you that your face shines upon every person in this place. Thank you, Lord. Bless each one. May they know your presence for the coming week. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.